do this. Let's open with a word of prayer this morning. We'll ask God to bless, and then we'll, we'll get right to it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that we have some time today to focus on your mission, to focus on the, uh, the work that you've called us to. I pray that you'd help us to see this morning that missions isn't something for other people, uh, but missions is something that we're all supposed to be involved in. And so please bless this discussion, help it to bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so I'm going to give you guys this mic, and uh, you'll have to share. You, you can handle that? All right, and why don't you just take a minute and introduce yourself to the group. Let us know where you've been and what your ministry is, and, um, and then we'll, we'll get into the, the, the questions in the interview. Good morning. My name is Matthew Gerber, like the baby food. <laughs> and I have my, uh, my family here. My wife, Lavana is sitting up here. My two kids are somewhere in your building, I was told. Um, we are uh, missionaries to the country of India. And uh, we have our, uh, our ministry is in the city of Mangalore, which is if you close your eyes and picture the jungle, that's, that's about it right there. It's about 100 degrees there this morning. And uh, so I'm appreciating this cool weather here. So, yeah, we've been there, been there about two years, been able to plant two churches. And uh, we're excited to get back there as soon as we can. That's awesome. And we will see those pictures in our main service today uh, from India. So it's great. Well, good morning. My name is John Grasty. And uh, my family is not in the building. They're spread all across the eastern seaboard. Um, my wife, Katie's in Pennsylvania, and my two boys are in North Carolina. And we've spent the last six and a half years in Slovenia, in Central Europe, uh, planting a church in, in Domžale. And then now we're transitioning into more of a support ministry of uh, providing Christian resources uh, for the, the, the really the, the infant uh, Christian community uh, in Slovenia. And we've supported the Grastis for seven years, I believe. And we are, the, the Gerbers were first here in 2015, I believe, right? Am I right, Matt? 15 or 16. And we are... Uh, we were not able to take them on for support at that time, but they've stayed in contact with us, and Lord willing, we'll be able to add them to our missionary family uh, this year, so we're excited about that. I'm Ken Fielder. I'm the director of Worldview Ministries, and we're focused on Bible translation. I pastored in Mansfield, Ohio for 16 years, and uh, the Lord called us away from the church. That was a tough time in our life. I didn't want to leave the church, but the Lord called us into missions, and uh, our ministry has grown to now we have nine projects in six different countries and a staff of over 40 people serving with us, either in a full or part-time capacity. And our focus is to get the scriptures translated for over 3,700 languages that are still waiting for it. Wow. So could you put that, I guess we'll start with you, Brother Fielder. Could you put that in terms that these kids would understand? Like, what is it that, uh, um, just give them a little sense of what your ministry is all about, for the, just for the kids. Okay. There are people groups all over the world that have no scripture in their language. They've never been able to open a Bible. So if uh, they're asking questions like you would ask, you might ask, where did I come from? And the Bible teaches us that we were created by God. You might ask who God is, and the Bible tells you who God is, but there are people around the world that don't know who God is because they've never read a verse of scripture. I like to call, we all call the Bible the Word of God, and we believe it is, don't we? Amen. Uh, but I like to call it a word from God, because every time I open it, I hear from Him. They are His words. And we have to really stop and think sometimes about what life would be like if we had never had a Bible. 
if we had never heard a word from God. The most basic desire of man's heart is to worship. That's how God created us. The most, the, the, a man wants to know who his creator is, and he wants to have a relationship with him and worship him. And there's no answers to those questions without the Bible in your language. So people who live without the scripture, their lives are just empty and meaningless. They turn to false gods, they worship and pray to gods that don't exist. Um, and so we're trying to get them the scripture so they have the true answer mm. to who God is. I had a coworker this week tell me that her, um, it's about, I work about an hour and a half away from here, and she told me that her, her, they just enrolled their kindergartner in a Christian school nearby. And he came home with verses. How many boys and girls in here have memorized Genesis 1-1? Carson, your hand was up first. Can you say Genesis 1-1? I forget it. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So you memorized that at one point. Can you imagine there are boys and girls that those words, they do not have them in their language at all. And, and you're talking millions of people. Yes. And so Brother Fielder's ministry is making sure they get those scriptures in their language. So let's go to one of the other gentlemen that uh, wants to take this question. What, um, what would you say is one of the things that makes your mission field very unique, if you would, for us to say that this, is, this, this makes Slovenia or India especially unique? Who wants to take that one? That's a, that's a very broad question. Um, so you could go anywhere yes. you want. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say just um, being from New England myself, you know, and... Uh, you grew up in Connecticut? I grew up in Connecticut, yes. We're neighbors. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> um, I didn't... I, I had never seen so many people in my entire life. Hopping off of a train or off of a bus or off of a plane in India... Uh, just an absolute sea of people and each and every single one of those people that you see is a soul going somewhere and uh, I just found that um, unique from anything I had ever seen just because I grew up in a town of 2,000 people and uh, you know you it's just uh, it's something once you're immersed in, unless you're immersed in it it's hard to hard to picture hard to grasp hard to understand and um we are, uh, India is one of those countries that the vast majority of people that you talk to have not heard the name of Jesus, at least the area we're in. Mm. And um, so it's, I, I'd say that makes India pretty unique. Do, do you remember it, uh, the first time that that hit you or a, a, maybe a, a time where you realized, my goodness, this person has never even heard Jesus' name? What was that like? Um, I would say stepping off the plane in a Thiruvananthapuram the first time. Um, it, was, it was about three o'clock in the morning, right? And it was... With the, the, the bay doors open, and the first thing you're hit with is humidity and the heat. And it's, it's 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, and it is shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder people out in front of us. And um, I, that, was, that was really all at once. India actually hit me. And mm. I was looking at these faces thinking, these people don't know who Jesus is. Mm. So. John, what would you... Uh, if I were sort of thinking about the uniqueness of Slovenia... Um, I'd probably say I don't know, uh, but that won't fly. So uh, the, the thing I, I kept thinking about is, is some of the, I, I'm a nerd, I will just be honest, and I love history, 
and um, and I, I have learned, especially in Slovenia, how much history uh, has affected the culture and the way of life and the way people view God and they view the scriptures and all sorts of things. And and in Slovenia, uh, it is a very dark spiritual country, spiritually speaking. And um, you know, there are, there are a number of things. Very, there's a great deal of pessimism in the in the country. Like they are all half. Uh, glass half empty type people. I, like very, very rarely do you meet somebody who's optimistic. And we started thinking about how uh, American culture, w- whether it be New England um, or, or or the Bible Belt or out west or wherever, how much American culture has been shaped by the influence of the gospel. And it is not insignificant. It is a it is a, a giant, just an amazing amount of influence. And then when you see a culture who that has lacked that, although there is there there is a veneer of Catholicism that has been there for a thousand years, and then you start learning the history, and um, the the short anecdote I will share is um, about I don't know a year ago, nine months ago. I started learning about the, the, the pagan influences that still um, existed in Slovene culture up until um, the 20th century. And the, the old Slavic paganism, the, the pre-Christian um, Slavic religions, um, were still actively practiced, although undercover because ostensibly it was, it was a Catholic country. It was very secret. But in certain valleys, alpine valleys around us, not far from, from where we lived, uh, they still had the, the Slavic European equivalent of witch doctors practicing into the, in between the world wars even. And it was only um, World War I that really broke up that network because they divided the land up. This witch doctor was responsible for this area, this one for this area. And, um, and then started to see how, how deep some of these roots that, that are antithetical, I mean, completely against the gospel and the scriptures, how deep they run in Slovene society. And then it started to make sense why things were so hard and so slow and so difficult all the time. Hmm. Yeah, okay. This, this question is, and I'll let anybody take this first, um, in our missions emphasis, we're gonna, we every year ask you, me, we as a church, to really pray and seek the Lord as to how we are going to personally be involved in missions. You know, it, it may be the will of God. It would be a wonderful thing if God would call somebody from our church to be a missionary. Um, it is a wonderful thing that God calls us to give and to send missionaries. But I'd like each of you to answer this. If you could describe how how you recognized or when you first started to recognize that God was calling you to give yourself to missions, what was that like? And how can people, um, and then what would you say to people about listening to the voice of God regarding missions? Who would like to take that first? I've got the microphone. I'll just start very briefly. And I will say, I think that the first step has to be, we, we have to acknowledge uh, that our life is not our own, that it is the Lord's. And, and, and I think it makes um, dealing with the question of missions much easier if you remove all of the geographic borders to what you expect God's will is, is for your life. And, of course, that's scary. Um, but then again, a lot of life is scary. And so the whole idea is, I'm going to trust you, Lord, because you know better. And then as as we allow him to have as we give him what is rightfully his, which is the, the lordship of, of our life, 
Um, he begins to direct and open doors and open our hearts. Um, but it begins with the acknowledgement <clears throat> that it's all his to begin with. That's interesting. I thought about that when you said that, the geographic borders of the will of God. So what are your geographic borders? Right, like God can move me anywhere. Some people's box might be Berkshire County. I'll go anywhere. Or maybe the will of God for your life would be, you know, I'll, God can take me into anywhere in the Northeast, or, or maybe you're, you've drawn the box around anywhere in the United States. But that idea of just taking that box and just erasing all of the lines and saying, God, anywhere. That's good. Who else? What, what you guys would pick up on that? Okay. All right. Uh, well, for me personally, I, I'm, I'm a uh, pretty average individual, and uh, I always, I have a simple mind. And um, I'm one of those guys that if God doesn't slap me in the face with his will, I will miss it. Anybody else like that? Yeah. And so I, I've always prayed very sincerely, um, you know, God, whatever your will is, I'll do it. You know my heart. But you're going to have to make it absolutely clear to me or I will miss it because, because you know me. And so God has always dealt with me in extremely practically. I say, God, if you want me to go this way. I will do it, but either open or close the door. And I think, I think God um, has blessed that in my life um, just um, be, because he knows who I am. He knows my limitations. And so uh, me just being available to him and asking him to be clear, God has directed my life in amazing ways. And for me personally, God actually called us to India when we visited India. So, you know, you got my... I affected my heart. I, I told you about those uh, millions of people we saw. I just saw those faces, and it was, um, you know, how, how can we leave this? You know, God, if you want me to come back here, make abundantly clear you'd like us to come back. So I think if, if you will make your, your heart and your life and everything available to God sincerely and ask him to direct you sincerely and clearly, he will honor that. And what, so. what were you doing before the call to missions? I was working in a church in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you, you answered the call to ministry first in your life, and then the Lord directed to missions? Well, when we uh, took the missions trip to India, I was working in a church. But I had surrendered to be a missionary if God wanted me to at a, at a younger age, uh, a teenage. As a, teenager. as a teenager? Yes. Amen. And then, and then how many years before was it that God said, yes, that is what I want for you? Um, between the me surrendering my life to missions, I was 13, and then actually surrendering to or God calling us to India. That was 2014? 2014. So when I was, uh, oh boy, math, math brains here. I told you I had a simple mind there. So yeah, it was a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long time. But just think about that. The decision you make at, um, how many teenagers in the room this morning, right? So... That the decisions that you make at this age, God can God can use a decision in your heart as a as just a teenager, and that's awesome. So, Brother Fielder, what would you say about answering the call or listening? Um, first, about India, you asked what was earlier, what was unique about India. In India, I've never lived there, but I've been there twenty times. And if the answer to a question is yes, they don't do this; they do the head bobble. <laughs> so, yes, yes, yes. Did that throw you? <clears throat> At first, yeah. I asked a guy for a cup of coffee, and he went like this, and I said, please, may I have a cup of coffee? <laughs> I thought he was telling me no. <clears throat> um, I would say that 
that knowing the will of God for your life is not a game of hide and seek. Um, young people sometimes get to a point in their life where they panic and they say, I, 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 don't, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what God wants me to do. And there's no need to panic about where God wants you and what he wants you to do because if you want to know those two things, he will not keep it from you. Mm. So the will of God is not a, a place or a vocation. The will of God is a person. You daily surrender to God and walk in that surrender and he will guide your life. Mm. <clears throat> a verse that the Lord has used in my life and I didn't learn this till a few years ago, but looking back over my life, I can see it so many times. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There's two kinds of light described in that verse. A lamp shines downward. I mean, what we know as a lamp shines downward, and you can see your feet, and you can see the next step. But a lamp, I'm sorry, a light shines outward, and you can see the path you're on. So sometimes in your life, you won't have, you won't, I'm let me back up, you won't always have both of those lights on at the same time. I believe sometimes God guides us with a lamp. And that is, we know the next step to take, but we're not sure where God's leading us. And sometimes God leads us with a light, and he shows us where he's taking us, but we not, we're not sure what to do next. And there have been times in my life when both of those things were true. But here's the wonderful truth of that. You're never left in the dark. Mm. If you want God's will and you want to follow him, you will either know where he's taking you or you'll know the next step, but he'll never leave you alone. He'll never leave you by yourself. Mm. And I've had, I've had uh, three or four times in my life when I believe God spoke to me directly. And uh, Adrian Rogers is one of my favorite preachers, and Adrian Rogers was asked one time, did you really hear God's voice? And he said, no, it was way louder than that. <laughs> But I didn't hear it with my ear, but I heard it right here. And God spoke to me directly and called me into ministry at the age of 15. He called me to be a pastor at the age of 19 or 20. Yeah. And then he called me to missions in 2006. And his voice was so loud, there was no way I could miss it. And the key is wanting to hear it, wanting to hear it. He's not going to hide it from you. I love that statement, a lamp to my feet, just the next step. We want the light for the future, but if we're disobedient with the next step, we're not going to see the light. So each of us wants the will of God for our lives, but God is going to speak to your heart in this missions conference about, some, about a very simple step. My dad mentioned it last night. Are you involved financially in giving to missions? And so we cannot presume upon the will of God right? To say, well, God, I want you to lead me. I want you to direct me. I've got this big decision for my life, for my family. And he's saying, but I'm just asking you to be faithful to church today. I'm just asking you to give to missions today. I'm just asking you to, to, to read your Bible, to take these little steps of obedience, and then he makes the path, the path clear. Can I add one more thing? Yeah. Um, I think a wonderful prayer to pray every day is, Lord, whatever you want, wherever you want, for as long as you want. Hmm. And that's a total surrender of yourself to the Lord. And then especially I would say to young people, make it a practice to never say no to the voice of God. When you hear him speak, you hear his leadership, and you sense it in your heart, don't ever say no because you're putting yourself in a dangerous position. It's always wise to say yes, no matter how small the step is, no matter how small the obedience is, or you say, well, this is not real important. God's leading you this way, do it. Don't say no to him. Hmm. 
Brother Fielder, you're in um, dozens of churches over the course of a year, maybe scores of churches. What, um, and I'm going to ask each of you guys to, to answer this question, what are some misconceptions you see in the church as, as regarding missions or um, where people, they, they view missions one way um, and that thinking needs to be a little bit corrected perhaps? What have, what have you observed? I'm, I'm going to preach about this in a few minutes in the, in the morning service. <laughs> you can give us a teaser then. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think we see missions as something that is done across the ocean, and that as long as we give a few dollars to it, we're, we, we've done our part. Uh, but, but all of us are to be on mission with God. And the question back to the subject of God's will is what does God want? <coughs> Excuse me. What does God want for me today on his mission? And there may be somebody that God's going to put in your path today that needs Jesus. And we need to speak up for him and speak to them and be on mission with God. Because what his work is in this world is revealing his glory and extending his grace to every kindred, tribe, and tongue. And there are people all over this, this community right here that need to see the glory of God. Amen. And they need to experience his grace. And, and I'm on that mission. And all of us ought to see ourselves as being on that mission. So the faith promise commitment, you faith promise? The faith promise commitment is a wonderful thing, but, but putting a little bit of money in the plate for missions doesn't absolve you of your responsibility to be on mission. Mm. We sometimes remove ourselves from it. Well, I did my part. I'm, I'm given the missions this year, but it's way more than giving your money. It involves your prayers. It involves your surrender. It involves your partnership with God to see his glory propagated to the ends of the earth. Mm. Can I do two short ones? Hopefully it won't equal more than one, one normal-sized answer. Uh, the, first, uh, the first thing I would say is um, I think sometimes in some churches, not everywhere, not, not here in your church, uh, but uh, the number of times where I've talked about the situation in, in Slovenia, uh, how many believers there are, and so on and so forth, and, and someone would say, well, you know, boy, it's getting just about that bad here. Okay, I heard that in my home county in a, in a church. Let me explain, my county has 58,000 people. Um, there are over 100 Baptist churches, the vast majority of which would preach the gospel. Um, we, like statistically speaking, um, like just the pastors alone in my county would be proportionally four times the number of Christians total in Slovenia. And, and don't even start talking about all the other numbers. And, and so th that happens more often um, than I care to think about. And so we have to be very careful. While things may be dark where we're at, we may, may, we may see cultural darkness. We may, we may see all sorts of things going in the wrong direction as we think about it. Uh, but be very, very careful because even the least reached places in the United States, um, like when you start looking at, at India, places in sub-Saharan Africa, uh, actually Saharan Africa as well, it, it, like you can't even begin to compare. That was sort of longer. Stuck one no, really no, no, no. I think that's important because we live in a, in a darker region of the United Absolutely. States. But, but we're, I've had friends that have moved to this area to ch plant churches. 
and they've come to the, the barren wasteland of New England. And they got here and they said, well, once I got here, I realized there were Christians here. <laughs> like, there's churches here. And there are. Um, but you go to places and, as, as, and we feel it, don't we? Have you, I mean, have you felt sometimes at work or that you're a minority in the, as a, as a Bible-believing Christian? But multiply that by just exponentially with what believers face in, we heard from the Giltners on um, Friday night in Japan, and just that idea of the, how unique it is to be a, a born-again Christian in Japan. So that's a, that's a, good, that's a good reminder for us. Do, you do had I get two the second? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, the, the second one is, uh, is somewhat connected, but maybe a little bit broader. And, and I can say this because we, we have returned from the field, so... I get, to, I get to say these sort of things. And that is, uh, sometimes we will make a lot of assumptions. Uh, we meaning those of us who aren't living abroad. Um, we will make assumptions that we understand for, for, for whatever reason. And, uh, and one of the things that I think we, we realized in our time in Slovenia is that there, there are pressures and challenges and, and difficulties and blessings. That's just the, the negative side. There, there's a thousand blessings as well. Uh, but that you really don't know until until you live it, until you experience it, until you have those heartbreaks, until you have the situations where um, you know you you feel like your family maybe has forgotten you on the other side of the world, or like a, a thousand different things. And so I think one of the things that is the misconception is is we understand uh, when, when maybe we don't. And the way to approach that is with a great deal of humility. And if we ask a lot more questions mm. and, and, and hear, and, and, and I will tell you, a lot of times missionaries will not tell you like the actual answer because they fear inwardly uh, that you're not going to understand and whatever their pain is or their difficulty or the challenges they're dealing with, you, you won't be able to relate to. And so they won't say it because they don't want the, the, the heartbreak of going through that then too. Um, but approach it with the humility and really seek to understand um, and to learn. Um, because, you know, we have one set of challenges in a post-Christian European country, but that doesn't compare at all. Um, I mean, like there, there are challenges. Some would be similar to, to Southern India. And then some of the challenges that the brother Matthew would face would be completely different. And so if we approach it with humility and as a learner, um, then we can start to enter the world that they live in, if only one tiny step at a time, and really be able to come alongside and pray and support in a better way. And uh, missionaries are people too. I hear. Yeah, so I, I think, and sometimes missionaries feel a pressure on them to, I mean, they're going to write a missionary letter to the church. And most churches, let's face it, most churches don't want to hear about the hard time that you're having. Right? They want a glowing report and they want to, so there's a difficulty that, that missionaries have. And so a lot of times they rely on other missionaries. But we as, as a church should be understanding of that and should be praying along those lines for their families, for their, just like you have personal struggles, just like you have financial struggles, uh, just like you have family pressures as you're raising your kids. Take all that and now multiply it with a very difficult um, ministry setting as well. So that, that sense of empathy that we need to have and encouragement is so important. Uh, that's almost exactly what I was going to say. Um, I think uh, 
part of it is the fault of watching missions, missionary videos all through the nineties and two thousands. You know, we see the uh, beautiful pictures of, uh, you know, the, the tropics and, or the jungle or this, uh, you know, uh, Europe and with part, you know, paired together with some beautiful music. And we tend to glamorize the mission field and glamorize missionaries, but, uh, we are, we are just people. And, uh, what we are doing, what my family is doing in India is exactly what you're doing here. And, um, so on, on the, the flip side of it, um, we are missionaries, and of course you are all missionaries as well. There are people that you will come in contact with and have the opportunity to witness to that my family ne absolutely never will be able to. And that's, uh, that's your mission field here. Um, so yeah, we are missionaries are just people, and I think that's one of the... How, Matt, how have churches, I don't know if you can think of any specifics, or maybe we can come back to it, but encouragement from churches like how have what what are some examples of churches that have just done a really good job being encouraging churches um, I'd say the most encouraging churches are the ones that um, that treat our girls really very well there there are three that I can think of in particular that, um, on uh, Christmas and on their birthdays they're they're always getting a uh, uh, cards and letters and, and little gifts from the churches and it just watching my girls faces light up mm. and that's that means the world to my wife and I to see that and you know if you want to you want to make some parents happy you make the kids happy and mm -hmm. it's uh, yeah. yeah those those are wonderful and so how do people best correspond like with your ministry to stay in touch and, and... yeah that's a little tricky um, because things uh, things that are sent to India often don't reach us, or they'll reach us in the wrong shape. <laughs> um, so usually things get sent to our to our home church, and then if we ever make a trip back to the U.S., we'll gather things then. But um, um, it, corresponding can be done through you know messaging and whatnot, whatnot mm -hmm. anything uh, that can be done over Wi-Fi. <laughs> Um, my, my phone number is on our uh, prayer card there. You know, we can text via WhatsApp if you guys have that. Oh, great. Keep, uh, keep close contacts there. And um, is, there a, is there any, do you face in that region of India, is there any level of persecution against the church? Um, there is, and I was talking to the, the sound guy about that. There, I'm going to talk about a little bit of sensitive stuff that's best not um, aired okay. on the Internet. So I'll get into that a little bit more. But yes, there, there is a quite a bit of persecution that's rising just recently in our area, mm. in, in, uh, in our state. And I can get into that in a yeah. little bit more detail later. So if you join us for the live, if you're watching on live stream and you join us during the main service, we'll have to mute that portion of the, of the live stream today. We'll do that and you just let us know when that needs to happen and sure. we'll make sure that it does because we are, there are missionaries in very sensitive regions that, um, so what, what kind of pressure would you face? It would be government or social what um it's government uh, okay. currently and um there's uh the pandemic has been used to try to uh push uh christians out of certain areas okay so. all right um anybody like to pick up on that about encourage encouragement for churches any to help brother ken you mentioned the prayer letter a moment ago and i heard a missionary uh phrase it like this one time he said he spoke of the tyranny of the prayer letter hmm that if I've got to send a good report home because that's what the churches are expecting. Uh, they're supporting me, and if I don't say good things, tell them what, what, what all God is doing in my ministry, um, they might drop my support. And um, I told a missionary one time, I said, what if you just wrote a letter home that said, 
you know, the last two months we have been so discouraged, we just want to quit. Hmm. Would you please pray for us? That ought to be met with an absolute attitude of grace and prayer. Because if that missionary is honest enough to say that, they're probably not going to do that. But if that missionary is honest enough to say that, we ought to say, oh my goodness, let's pray more for this missionary. And missionaries face things that we never think about. You know, all of the struggles we deal with here, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but how many of you struggle to stay consistent with your Bible reading and your prayer time? Mm. How many of you struggle to keep your priorities right with your family and and raising your children? And all of those things that, that we struggle with to keep our lives right and keep our priorities right, go to the mission field and add culture shock and the difficulty of language learning and Culture shock is a very real thing, by the way, and it's a big deal. And many missionaries don't make it on the field because either the husband or the wife can't deal with it. And uh, you mentioned, one of you mentioned, I think, kind of glamorizing uh, the mission field. I'm not sure what term you use, but but romanticizing. A missionary thinks God's called me to these people, and man, it's going to be a wonderful thing as soon as I get there and tell them the good news of Jesus. They're all going to fall at my feet and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. And you get there and find out it's not going to be that easy. And sometimes you get there and find out they don't want your Jesus. They're fine with their atheism and they're fine with their Hinduism. And you're going to have to have the power of the Spirit of God to break through the hardness, not just of their hearts, but the hardness of their culture and, and then, then add to that the difficulty of language learning on top of that. And it is a tough, tough road for a missionary. Mm. Um, we've, we've said this in the past. You probably heard this. Missionaries are, ought to be our heroes. And, and some of them should because of what they deal with in adjusting to a different part of the world just for the cause of Christ. And at the least, we can pray for them. Mm. And don't just say... Uh, can I be direct right here? Don't just say, God bless our missionaries. Find out what their needs are. Find out what their struggles are. Get on the Internet. You can find out anything you want. Get on the Internet and find out about the culture they're working in and what that cultural mindset is and what these, what these missionaries have to deal with. And pray specifically that God will help them deal with the culture every day. You know that if a missionary, uh, a missionary that has romanticized this and he gets to the field and he thinks it's all going to be wonderful, I've actually heard missionaries say, when I came here, I loved these people with all of my heart because God put a burden in me for them. And I've been here for a year and a half now, and I hate these people. Mm. I can't stand living here. I can't stand the way they think and the way they act. And the missionary is going to react to that with one or, uh, two or three things. He's going to withdraw himself and hide, and that, that means no ministry. He's going to get angry. And that means you can't minister to people and hate them at the same time. Or they can break through all of that through God's help and through our prayers. And they can break through that culture and learn to embrace it and learn to have an effective ministry. And I believe with all my heart that the failure of many missionaries is not the failure of the missionary. It's the failure of the sending church. Because we gave them money, but we didn't pray for them. And they must have prayer. Mm. For, for them to break through these things and be effective on the field. Wow. If you're here and you heard that statement, like, boy, how could a missionary ever say, oh, I hate these people, right? Like, I, I think that kind of picks up on a few things here. The culture shock statement, the romanticization or the glamorization. Um, you know, like, how could God use somebody that would have that attitude? Well, God 
that may be part of their journey, their spiritual journey, where God is showing them you're not going to love these people with your love. Who was it? Brother, we had Rich Fulton here this summer and he talked about missions and he used that. He talked about, we had a missionary come through. He talked about love and missions and how it's not our love for these people. And we watch videos and see pictures and our emotions are stirred and we think of those people. Listen, if you knew some of those people that you see in the pictures, you wouldn't like them either. And they wouldn't like you. <laughs> because we're not, if it's, just our, if it's just our emotional connection with somebody, that can't sustain anything. It has to be the love of Jesus, and we are the conduit for that love. Um, so, man. And that means total death to self. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to do kind of a wrap up question. And um, the question is this In what you're seeing in churches, we got to do this kind of quickly, but if you could give us what encourages you about the state of missions in the church? Well, maybe we flip these around. What's been a discouragement that you've seen in the state of missions in 2021? And what is encouraging your heart about the state of missions in general in churches across America that, that you're seeing? Who wants to take that first? I'll start. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I see anything real discouraging, except what we mentioned earlier, kind of a disconnect from, you know, missions happen over there, it doesn't happen here, and I'm not involved. Um, the encouraging thing I see as in relation to our ministry is I do see a, ra a rising awareness of unreached peoples. And uh, I do see churches beginning to emphasize oh, we have to get missionaries where missionaries haven't been. And I think that's needed. I think the church has to have a strategy to finish the Great Commission. And we can't just look at it as, you know, we'll do our part, we'll give our few dollars, and hopefully everybody else will pick up the slack. I think every every church ought to ought to act as if we're the only ones trying to get it done, mm. and we've got to send missionaries everywhere, and not just missionaries from other churches, as was prayed earlier this week in the service, but missionaries out of this church. Um, what if a church What if a church adopted an unreached people group? Pick one of these groups out of seven thousand four hundred seven groups that don't have access to the gospel, and what if this church began to pray in a concentrated, intense, and fervent manner? for that people group to get the gospel. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if you prayed for that, that way for three to six months and somebody is, gets, God calls somebody out of this church to go reach them. And this church could be the major catalyst for getting that people group the gospel. And I'm encouraged by the rising awareness I see of those, those uh, emphasis. Mm. Uh, well, I'm gonna dodge that question because frankly, I have not been in enough American churches over the last, uh, half decade to to speak intel intelligently about it, uh, but I can say something about the state of the churches in Slovenia, and so um, I'm completely dodging answering a separate question. Um, but I can say there, in my time there, uh, that I have been so encouraged that the kingdom of God is growing, uh, that there are people coming to Christ in Amen. very difficult places, that churches. Our beginning, not just our, our little uh, infant church, but others as well. And so while things are you know, waxing worse and worse around the world, uh, while, while um, evil is marching forward, uh, the kingdom of God is growing. Amen. And, and I'm, I'm greatly encouraged by that. I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful for the, the role that y'all have played uh, in, in Slovenia uh, in, in that regards as well. I'd say something, as far as discouraging, I can't think of anything um, uh, 
um, particularly discouraging, but something that I've been finding uh, very encouraging recently is a lot of churches are uh, banding together uh, small groups of people and sending them on missions trips. And um, that's uh, those that you see go to a, go, go to a foreign field, experience the, the country, the ministry there, and the culture, and return back to their church. It changes the church. Uh, being able to see that firsthand, and it's, it changed the hearts of the people that are there, it changed the hearts of the church, and you just see this fire ignite mm. in the church that um, puts uh, an emphasis on, on taking missions trips. And if, if you've never been on a missions trip, I would highly encourage it. And um, the, uh, the churches that, um, that do that are, I'd say, those that um, affect our ministry in India the most because we've had a couple of those groups come over and um, they've been encouragement to us. They are, we know that they are our most stable uh, prayer warriors. They are the ones that, the first ones to reach out if we have a, have a challenge or a, uh, or a trial. And um, so that, that's just been really encouraging. I've seen that start to pick up over, over the last probably five years. Amen. Well, we have, we have come to the end of our time, and we do have about 15 minutes before the service, so we're going to close this session in prayer, and I'm going to ask, the, <clears throat> ask our guest missionaries to spend some time in the auditorium, and if you thought of a question or something you'd like to get more info about, um, make sure you take a few minutes here, get to talk with them. Brother John's going to have to take off after Sunday school, Please keep his wife and her family in prayer. Um, we shared on... Um, Monday, uh, Friday night, we shared that uh, his wife Katie's mom is preparing to uh, to go meet the Lord. She's in the last days and weeks of her life, and um, so just pray for their family. That's a special uh, need that you could be praying for. Um, but let's close this time in prayer. Dad, would you come and um, and just wrap this session up in prayer? Pray for the pray for the Grasties, please, and Katie and her mom. And um, let's just look forward to the rest of this morning. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for this day that you've given us, the opportunity to gather just during this uh, Sunday school hour to hear the different burdens on each of our missionaries' hearts and how missions works. We pray, Lord, that uh, the words that they spoke, the advice that they gave, we would not forget it. We'd not just leave it here, but we'd take it with us. We'd think about it as we pray for our missionaries, as we give to missions. We do think of Katie and her mom, and we pray, Lord, that great grace would be upon the entire Grasty family as they prepare for Katie's mom's homecoming. And so we ask your blessing upon that. Be with, be with each of our missionaries as they travel today. Uh, watch over them and give them traveling mercies. But we just to especially pray for them as they are dealing with uh, this particular moment, this particular time in their lives. Yeah. So bless now our morning worship service, Lord. We pray that you'd meet with us in a very great way, be with the preaching of the word, and be with Brother Gerber as he presents the field of India. We pray for the music. We pray as we lift up our voices and we worship you, Lord. We've come to worship you. Help us to do so both in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are dismissed for a few minutes.